The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us. Open for another great show here on Winning Ponies. Got some top guests. Of course, this is the time of the year when the sales are a pop, and we'll have the Phasic Tipton sales, and then uh, we'll go over to Keeneland with their famous September sale that I believe has produced more graded stakes winners than any other sale. And no one is more dominant then Taylor made farm and with us we're going to have the general farm manager Tom Ham with us to kind of go over the different levels that they have at Taylor made uh, including the stallion section as you know uh the horse relaxing there right now is none other than champion California Chrome and we're just going to talk about getting different horses of generations to the sales ring and how they excel in bringing those horses into the ring with a spit shine on them that brings millions. And then we're going to be uh, bringing you one of the best agents in the country, Billy Johnson. Uh, For years he's had uh, Deshaun Parker, uh, who have dominated the standings in West Virginia, and twice recently they've led the country in a number of wins. There's going to be some changes in the wind, and Billy Johnson's going to Catch us up on that. Now, hopefully you caught up with our easy win forms over over the past week because we've had some solid hits. Remember, uh, Winning Ponies is the place you want to go to come up with some big ones. Uh, We're talking about Mountaineer Park uh, back there last week. A $1 Super 5 key brought home $2,756. Then, of course, there was a little race at Monmouth Park over the weekend called the Haskell Invitational. Well, there on August 2nd, a $1 Super brought home $2,005. Then at Delaware Park, we had two good hits, both of them over $1,500 with Superfectas. So dial up winning ponies and get those easy win forms. All right. Well, unless you lived in a cave, you know about what happened in the Haskell, the return of racing's first Triple Crown winner in 37 years. American Pharaoh got the job done so impressively. Victor Espinosa hardly even rode him the final furlong, and they still just shaded the track record in a very, very fine time. Just kind of raided off the early pace, moved when he wanted to, was only smooched at. Uh, Espinosa never even uncocked his stick, and he got home the easiest of winners. Now, the question on everybody's mind is where is he going to go next? Because a lot of people want to be there. They had an amazing day at Monmouth Park. 
Now, owner Ahmed Zayat says he'd love to see him make his next start in the Traverse Stakes and uh, almost went on record as saying that it would help define the Colts' legacy if he were to win the Midsummer Derby. He said, I'd made it very clear that I want to go to the Travers two days after the win. Now, that was his eighth straight race, all in stakes. And uh, so will he go to Saratoga? Well, Zayat, again, and Baffert say, let's see how the horse is doing. From what I understand from West Coast reports, he came out of the race just fine. <clears throat> so Zayat says he's going to Saratoga. And Saratoga, of course, is rising the purse. But he said he has not asked anybody for a nickel. He had zero financial discussions with them. The purse raise came as a surprise to Zayat. Now, here is the next headline. Bob Baffert. The headline says, premature to say American Pharaoh is coming to Saratoga. So uh, we will find out. But from what I, I have read is that Baffert does want to keep him with three-year-olds, I believe, until he has to face older horses at Keeneland in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So uh, basically he said, you know, Ahmed's really excited right now. He's always wanted to run in the Travers. Anything's possible, but nothing is set in stone. So we do not 100% know exactly where American Pharaoh's going to show up. Baffert says American Pharaoh's the one that's going to tell us. He'll be nominated everywhere. We'll shoot for everywhere. I don't know where he's going to run. It's too early to say anything about that right now, so stay tuned. Obviously, Track's throwing money at him. American Pharaoh's victory in the Haskell Invitational on NBC was the most watched summer race in 13 years. Think about that. Uh, between the Belmont Stakes and the Breeders' Cup in 13 years. So uh, in addition, viewers stream more than 100,000 live minutes via NBC Sports Live Extra on Sunday. So uh, we will uh, continue to track him. And by the way, we are making it on the networks to Thoroughbred Racing. Saturday on NBC, uh, we'll have the Test Stakes and the Whitney Stakes, two races that we will be handicapping on the show with Billy Johnson. And why do tracks want to have the big guy there? Well, records were shattered on Haskell Day at Monmouth Park. Uh, produced a record paramutual handle for the race and for Haskell Day. A total of over $6.5 million was bet on the Haskell. The former mark, $4.4 million. Total handle for the day was up 13% from their last best. Now, should he show up at Saratoga, you better get your tickets now because whether American Pharaoh's there or not, Naira has capped Travers Day attendance at 50,000. So uh, you already the seating, dining, and clubhouse admission are all sold out. Grandstand and general admission tickets are available for $10, and uh, – they are going to limit it. Now, uh, the 2014 Travers that was won by V.E. Day, of course, he's running over the weekend, too. That was a reported attendance of 46,000. The record was in 2003 of 66,000 for the Midsummer Derby. So 
You might want to uh, check out uh, Ticketmaster, or you might want to get one eight four four Naira dash T I X. If you plan on going up there, because it could be announced at any moment that the champion American Pharaoh will in fact be there, but at least you'll be a little bit more comfortable because they are going to limit it. All right, keep your fingers crossed, and thank you for. Uh, Sending prayers out for Jackie Oriana Rossi. Uh, we reported last week about her uh, spill at Indiana Grand. What we're hearing now from the hospital is that she's in good spirits and does, yes, have some feelings in her legs. A week ago she didn't. Now she does. Uh, they're going to move her into a rehab center, and hopefully she'll be able to walk again. Oriana, of course, would love to do more than that. She's hopeful that riding will also be in her future, so uh, please continue to pray for her full recovery. Well, Dortmund uh, is sidelined with bruised ribs. Uh, he was cast in his stall the other morning, got scraped up on his head and his ribs, uh, so they're going to set back a week or two, according to, uh, to trainer Bob Baffert, and he says, we were just starting to get him cranked up. Of course, uh, his last race was a fourth-place finish in the Preakness Stakes, and he was a game third in the Kentucky Derby. Now, here's some late-breaking news I just found out about, that Palace Malice, they've decided on plans for him. He's going to return Sunday at Saratoga in the Alidar Stakes. Uh, this will be his first start since May. So uh, this, the mile and an eighth Alidar is for four-year-olds and older that won, have not won a stake in 2015 other than state breads. Uh, of course, Palace Malice, you'll recall, won the 2013 Belmont Stakes. They were going to retire him to stud, but they kind of changed their mind on that. So hopefully, uh, as long as he's healthy, they hope to use the Alidar as a springboard towards the Woodward at the spa and hopefully on to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week, Javier Castellano, pulled off a stakes-winning triple at Saratoga that included grade one, grade two, and grade three races. Uh, so congratulations to him. That is first time and won't be his last. Uh, just for notes, other hot jocks right now, Antonio Gallardo uh, led the nation in wins last week, staying on top of the leaderboard at Presque Isle, winning 33% of his mounts. Uh, Joe Bravo made the most of his 18 mounts last week by winning five, capped off with a win in the West Virginia Derby. And Corey Lannery had a stakes triple at two different tracks, including two stakes at Mountaineer Park in the money 53% of the time. Hope you got to hear about it. Rachel's Valentina, that's right, the daughter of Rachel Alexandra, made her two-year-old debut, and it was an interesting one. Didn't really come out of the gate real well, but once she found her stride, she went on to win impressively six furlongs in a final time of one ten and one under Johnny V. So the long-awaited debut has happened uh, for this daughter of Rachel Alexander. Her ha uh, half-brother is by Curlin, uh, is also in training, but has not made his first start. Uh, soon to make a start back, Wise Dan's nearing a comeback. Uh, he's been uh, recording workouts at Keeneland, he recorded his third workout recently, and uh, they're pointing down the road. Uh, he may go to the Bernard Baruch at Saratoga on September 7th or the Rico Woodbine Mile 
on September 13th. All right, let's take a look at some of the races beside the impressive win in the Haskell Stakes for American Pharaoh. Another champion went to post, Beholder, and man, she came away looking like the champ she was. Beholder hadn't been out since the adoration on June 13th. Gary Stevens won in a laugher. She won by seven in a hand ride. Running second was uh, Yahilwa, and in the third spot was the second favorite, Warren's Veneta. Then uh, the West Virginia Derby will be talking to Billy Johnson about his jocks effort in there. Put in a strong close after a bad start, but the winner was my selection in here. Paid seven twenty, made from lucky, rallied from sixth, got up by one and a half lengths over Super Colossal, who had the lead but was run down. And in the third spot was War Story. Sent away at 11-1. to 1. Again, a bad break, but man, was this horse flying at the end. Sooner or later, he's going to get to the winner's circle. And then we had a Jim Dandy. It was Texas Red. A very game under Kent DeSormo uh, uh, holding off Frosted, who was the 3-5 to five choice in the Jim Dandy. It looked like Frosted was going to go by him, but Texas Red dug down and got the job done. So uh, these are uh, three roles we'll probably see in the Traverse Stakes, along with Japan, very lightly raced horse who led most of the way, a Bill Mott trainee. So it'll be interesting if they get to go in the gate and face the Pharaoh. Then, in a head-bobbing photo finish, it was Rockfall over the Big Beast in the Alfred G. Vanderbilt Handicap and the Bowling Green Handicap. It was a beautiful ride by Javier Castellano. Slipped through along the rail on six to one shot, Red Rifle, and got the job done over War Dancer. Finishing third was Imagining. All right, that's a look at national news and the races we capped last week. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Taylor Made Farms. Tom Ham, you're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Tom Ham, who uh, comes to us with TaylorMade Farm. He's the uh, general farm manager, uh, joined TaylorMade, hard to believe it was 10 years ago, back in 2006. Uh, I remember Tom when uh, he and his brother Tim teamed up to be uh, the leading stakes-winning trainers team in uh, the state of Ohio. But uh, Tom uh, broke off, got down to uh, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and joined TaylorMade. And, uh, Tom, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. A little damp up here, and I understand you didn't have too bad of a day out there on the links. Yeah, no, it was, uh, we had a lot of rain this morning, kind of cleared up this afternoon, but it's been, uh, it's been nice weather as of late, but we've had a lot of rain. Well, you know, Tom, when you when you go up and you look at the team members at TaylorMade Farm, let's face it, uh, a lot of them have the last name of Taylor. How did you how did you slip in there? What was your first connection with TaylorMade? And obviously, you rose up through the ranks. Well, you know, in 2006, um, my brother and I, we, I decided to go out on my own. We were working together, and I decided I wanted to kind of do my own thing and go out on my own. And I sent some resumes out and. Uh, and uh, I think it was in July of 2006, I got a uh, call from TaylorMade the next morning. Actually, I got a call from Claiborne the next morning for an interview. Went over there, talked to them, and then uh, came over to TaylorMade that same day. Obviously, I wanted to do it all in one day while I was down here. I actually ran into Frank Taylor uh, as I was walking in the front door, and he took my resume. We talked for a minute, and uh, you know, he would ask me about uh, on my resume. We had uh, wait a while I'd, that I we had trained her and a couple other horses that we'd had and he took me in and talked to me and basically hired me on the spot. And, uh, within 30 days of, of that day, uh, I was living in Lexington and started here on August 11th of 2006. Well, you know, the, uh, Taylor made has, has such a long, uh, and successful history with uh, generations of, of the Taylor family, uh, tracing back of course, to, to Joe Taylor, who, as we say, literally, wrote the book. I actually read the book that he wrote on dealing with racehorses, and I understand that that's required reading of anybody that wants to work there. Yes, that's true. Um, it's uh, We call it the tailor-made way, basically, and uh, he wrote the book uh, that you're talking about, and we do require uh, everybody that works here, at least in management and, uh, and in the office, to read that book, and, and it's a very good book, and it, it's basically what we live by here. We try to follow... Uh, you know what he what he set out for Taylor made to to be and uh and you know he basically like you said he was a pioneer in the thoroughbred industry and uh I'm just glad to be a part of uh of the farm and the Taylor made tradition yeah, it really is a great book. Uh, I can't tell you when, but when it did come out, which was a while ago, uh, I actually remember writing a book review about it, and it was just sensational. I mean, it didn't just cover the, the handling of the horses, but it talked about you know, you know about pastures, and it talked about safe fences, and I mean, there wasn't a detail that this guy didn't cover, and certainly I see that all of that's put into place when I go to the sale and I observe uh, the team from TaylorMade. It's like, it's amazingly 
uh, machine, well-oiled machine that those guys have going down there when you see them at the sales arenas. Yeah, it is. You know, when I got here, I didn't understand the magnitude of, of tailor-made farm and what, and what I was getting into. And I, I kid around and I tell people a lot of times, I said, everything you could imagine done. You know, I thought I knew a lot when I come into the horse business and I got here and it's like tenfold when you get to tailor-made. It's, uh, you know, we went to the sales consignment my first year and at the September sale and I'd been here just under 30 days and I got out there and I was a little overwhelmed at, you know, just the volume of people, the volume of horses and, and how everything was uniform across the board. There was, it wasn't like anybody shooting from the hip. It was everybody had a, a designated job and everybody had a, a procedure to follow. And it's, and that's kind of how we've done it. And it's all based on um, what daddy Joe and, and Duncan Taylor has kind of instilled in all of our employees and, and what he wants from us. And, uh, and it's just, uh, it's a, it's a great operation. It's great people to work for. And, and, you know, they're very detailed oriented and they, uh, they make sure that, that, uh, every stone is unturned. Well, it, it obviously is because every one of those horses comes out with a spit shine. Now, uh, walk, walk us through it, Tom, because, um, Taylor made, what are the divisions of, of Taylor made? Cause obviously we're going to, uh, hear a little bit about their stallion division when uh, California Chrome ends up there. Um, well, what are the different uh, divisions between um, the, the stallion division, raising young horses, bringing horses to the sale? Can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah, we have a uh, – we'll start in the office. In the office, we have our public sales division, which is what you just touched on, which is going out to the sales and selling the yearlings and the mares and the, the um, weanlings. And that's basically our public sales division, and we kind of run that all runs under Mark Taylor. Um, he is the youngest of the Taylor brothers, and he kind of runs all that. Um, and then we have a private sales division, which we have um, some account managers or people that handle accounts and, and sell the horse from within the office at, where they do private transactions. Uh, we also have our Stein division, which you mentioned, obviously. Uh, we have a broodmare division, which is obviously our a commercial breeding uh, side of the farm, and then we have our yearling division, which is where we prep the horses and get them ready for the yearling sales. Um, of, the, of those divisions, is the yearling division perhaps the biggest and the busiest? Because it seems like the success you have with that group is just phenomenal. You know, uh, it's it's a busy time of year right now, obviously, getting ready to go to all the yearling sales. We're just shipped up. We just shipped our horses to Saratoga this afternoon for the Saratoga sale, but I wouldn't say it's the busiest, our broodmare division. Um, you know, at any given time we can have between 150, 200 broodmares on the farm and obviously trying to get those mares and foals and fold, get those mares and foal and fold those mares out is obviously a big job. Um, so, you know, in each, each season, uh, each division has its busy time of year. Um, and I wouldn't say one side's busier than the other, or one side's more important than the other, because obviously breeding those mares and, and getting those mares and foals is a, is a big part of what we do. But um, surely, you know, getting these yearlings ready and, and trying to get them to the sale and, and in the best condition we can is, is, a, is a big job, and we have a great team, and we've been successful at it. Um, what, what's the difference between getting, uh, let's say, a broodmare, a weanling, or a yearling ready for auction? Well, you know, the the difference between the brood mares and the weanlings are we don't we don't prep those quite as much as we do the yearlings. You know, you need to we get them in and and we get them under blanket because obviously that's a different time of year when it's a little colder and we and we groom them, you know, and keep them up at night and stuff, but uh 
But the yearling prep is, is a lot different than the fact that we're actually trying to get those horses, uh, I want to say, pre-fit for training. And we used to walk a machine, a lot of hand walking, and we swim some of them. And, uh, and they go under the same procedure where we're getting them in and we're grooming them, you know, three, four hours a day after they're done doing their training. So uh, that, that's the main difference. You don't, obviously, we don't do as much uh, physical training with the weanlings and the mares as we do with the yearlings. But uh, overall, it's just the same prep plan, kind of follow the same plan with, without the, uh, the physical exercise, so to speak. Well, it just truly amazes me, you know, watching uh, the tailor-made team at the sales is uh, just how much attention each horse gets and how, um, despite the cacophony of excitement that's going on around them, um, how you guys are able to handle them. Uh, you, 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 you seldom see one uh, that's, that, that's, that's unruly. Uh, it, is it all because you, you guys are so hands-on from day one that either you raise the horse or you get the horse from a client? Yeah, you know, uh, and that's one thing that's great about TaylorMade is is the tailors from the tailors down. We treat every horse, whether it be a million dollar horse or a five thousand dollar horse, we try to treat them all exactly the same and do what's best for that particular horse. We have an individual program for each horse. We go through our horses. We put them on individual feeding programs, individual exercise programs, and uh, and you know we try to to treat every horse as an individual and not as a group. And, uh, and that's one of the great things. And I think that's one of the main things that's made us so successful. Um, so I think, I think that has been a big part of, of the success of TaylorMade and, and how they instill that and in, in all of their help, you know, including myself. And, uh, you know, some of the horses do come in from other farms, so we can't take credit for how, for all the stuff that they do prior to getting to TaylorMade. Some of them ship into the actual consignment at the sale grounds, but we have account managers who kind of manage each account for those horses that are coming to us that aren't on our farm. And, you know, they kind of give them some guidance if they're, if they need it. Some people don't need it. You know, we have some other big farms that we sell for, so they don't, you know, they don't necessarily need our input, but they, um, you know, some of the other farms, they'll, they'll ask, you know, what we do or how we want them prepped. And, and it, and it kind of all works together, but it's, uh, it's a good system we have and, it, and it's worked well so far. That's great. Well, let, let's move over to uh, your stallion division. Uh, obviously, uh, Taylor made made headlines a couple of weeks ago when they uh, talked about their involvement and partial purchase of California Chrome. We know that the whole idea right now for him is to uh, get 100% healthy and just kind of wind down a little bit. Um, have you seen him at the farm? What's it like? Is there an excitement for the staff to have uh, a champion like that uh, on the farm? Yeah, yes, I have seen him in person. I went over to uh, see him as soon as he shipped in, and I've stopped in a couple times since. And he's a great horse to be around. He's a great distant, uh, demeanor. You know, he just he's just a real pleasant horse to be around. He looks good. We're just letting him freshen up here a little on the farm, and our goal is obviously to get him back to the races. I don't have a timeline on, on when that's going to be, but, um, you know, there's been a little buzz around here. We've had some people driving through the farm with binoculars trying to spot him and different things. So, that's you know, that's all <laughs> exciting, but it's uh, – at the same time, it's a it's a big responsibility to have a horse like that at our farm, and and we're just uh, glad and and gracious that we were able to get him to our farm. Well, now with with, with the weeks ahead and all the activity that's going to happen between uh, Saratoga and Keeneland, uh, what's a day in the life of Tom Ham? Um, well, basically, you know, I get up in the morning, uh, try to get over to the barn sometime between six and six thirty. Um, and we're basically, we're bringing all the, the main focus right now is obviously our yearling division. We're bringing those yearlings up every day. And we try to, as a group, I go with the managers and we try to watch each individual horse come up every morning. Um, 
once they get up in the morning, we do their exercise routine, whether it be hand walking or walking machine or swimming or whatever we're doing with each particular horse. We go through their training uh, program, any vetting we need that needs to be done. I try to be there with the veterinarians and the divisional manager to kind of oversee what, exactly what's going on. And then in the afternoons, uh, we have uh, basically every groom on the farm has five horses and they kind of uh, take the afternoon and they spend the entire afternoon rubbing and grooming on those horses. And then um, at four o'clock, it kind of settles down for the day. We feed the horses and then they stay up till about 7 p.m. every night. Obviously, we keep them out of the sun, keep them getting sunburned. Then at seven o'clock, we go back in the evening. Uh, myself and the divisional managers, we go back and we supervise those horses being turned out, watch them walk out, make sure everything's good. If they get turned out fine. And then uh, obviously, we repeat that every day. Well, it it uh, it sure is a a full day uh, that atop of you uh, uh, being an outstanding baseball coach, from what I understand, and uh, so Actually, I, softball. <laughs> it's softball, well, softball, baseball. Uh, but the the bottom line is, Tom Am, you you stay pr- pretty busy. Uh, I hope I get a chance to uh, cross paths with you down at the uh, the Keeneland September sale. I think that's going to be my next trip down there. I know that's where I uh, saw you last year, and wish you and everybody at Taylor made nothing but the best. Well, I appreciate it, John. Thank you for having me on tonight, and I uh, look forward to seeing you. All right, we've been talking with Tom. Ham from TaylorMade Farm. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with jockey agent extraordinaire Billy Johnson. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, well, you have to be a good handicapper if you're going to be a good agent. And one of the top agents in the country is none other than Billy Johnson. Due to the riding success of Deshaun Parker, those two have been together for years. Twice they've led the country in number of wins. And uh, for a second there, though, I thought maybe I called the wrong Johnson because I got a press release today that says that his brother Gary Johnson just got a $10,000 bonus in the uh, National Handicapping Championship. <laughs> Billy, it must run in the family. 
I hope so. I mean, I I wish I had his handicapping skills, but I guess mine are okay because Sean does pretty good at winning races. <laughs> he, he sure does. Um, one story that I read this week in in the Blood Horse uh, was was pretty exciting, and uh, the, the headline was "Rare Upset." For Jackie Parker at Mountaineer, the all-time leading rider, of course, at Mountaineer Park. He doesn't usually get away with a horse at long odds, but he had a horse in the West Virginia's Governor's Cup pay $150.60 to win. Give me the background on this story. The horse was a former $5,000 claimer. Um, John, I, I, you know, you, we always hear the saying, right place, right time. Well... Um, obviously, we drew the entries for that race on uh, Tuesday, and I'm sitting in, the, in the, the track kitchen going over my entries for the, the next morning while we have scratch time at 9 o'clock the next morning, and I get a phone call from a number that I don't recognize from Illinois, so I just answer it, and it happens to be the trainer of Looks Despair, and he says, you know, sir, we're looking for a rider for our horse. Would you be interested in riding? I didn't have a form or nothing. I said, sure. I mean, $200,000 race, anything can happen, and of course it did. Yeah, it did. You know, this guy sounds like an interesting guy. Uh, uh, he's an owner-trainer. He gallops his own horse. Uh, did he, do you get a chance to meet him? No, actually, I did not. Um, he, every time I went, I went by his barn a couple times, and I just kept missing him. And then I tried to meet him the day of the race, and it was just too hectic. And uh, uh, it, from what I understand, he, he hauled the horse there in his own two-horse trailer, too, which is you know pretty unique. <laughs> it's almost like the, the Mind That Bird story. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Well, it wasn't the only story uh, to come out of the races uh, at Mountaineer Park last week. You ended up on War Story, uh, the well-traveled uh, gelding owned by Ron Paolucci, uh, an Ohioan that kind of struck it big, going from claimers to uh, the, the big time. He had Rhea Antonio, who won the Breeders' Cup. Now he's got War Story. He doesn't duck any horses, that's for sure. Um, Deshaun Parker originally, I believe their Shane Speets was supposed to ride that horse, but Deshaun ended up riding him, watched the race, and it just looked like the ground broke out from under its beginning. But, man, during the final 16th, I looked out of the corner of my eye, and that horse was flying. Yeah, he, he made quite a move. I mean, he, he didn't get away the best, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but, he, I mean, he had such a strong kick, and... Uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to ride the horse. I had actually, um, Ron Pellucci is a good friend of my brother's, and I met him through Gary, and I happened to be at Thistledown uh, a couple of days after the Ohio Derby, and he, he asked me if I have a horse in the for the West Virginia Derby. I said, no. He said, well, don't take any until you talk to me. So, like, a couple of weeks before, he, was, he, was, he kept going back and forth whether he was going to go to the Haskell or the, the West Virginia Derby. Well, of course, you know, if I get a set to ride him, I'm hoping he's coming to West Virginia, and, uh, you know, entry date come and they entered the they entered the horse here. They put Scott Speeds on because that's Jeff Rodosovich's main rider, which you know I totally understand. And then I get a call the next that, that night, and they decide, well, they're going to run on West Virginia, but they want Deshaun to ride the horse. And of course, I'm not going to turn the horse down because he's a very nice animal. Absolutely. He's won over a quarter of a million dollars. He just keeps uh, running into buzz saws, you know, and all these great uh, stakes races. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said, put this horse uh, on your list of horses to watch because he finished in the Virginia Derby with a flourish. Well, uh, I guess uh, because of the nature of things in West Virginia right now, cutting dates, cutting purses, 
Um, there's about to be a new chapter in the life of uh, uh, Billy Johnson and Deshaun Parker. Uh, yeah, there is, John. Um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for Ohio, unfortunately for us, you know, they have they have slots 40 minutes away from us at Mahoney Valley Downs. And, you know, of course, the casinos in Cleveland and Columbus and everything. It's really hurt our revenue for um, our casino down here. And, of course, our purses are generated through the, the revenue from casinos. So this so coming to this year, they cut the purses 25%, which, uh, you know, it's quite a drop. And um, about halfway through the year, they realized that, we're not going to have enough purse money to make it till the end of the year unless we always, you know, run to the end of December. Well, if that wasn't going to happen, they decided that October 17th was going to be our last day, which left us a void for three months until Houston opened. Um, obviously, we went to Houston last year and win 55 races and 32 race days, so naturally we want to go back there. Um, but due to the fact that Deshaun's dad is a steward in Ohio and works at Thistledown and Mahoney Valley, we can't ride at those two tracks. So now we got no place to ride until January. So we got an opportunity to um, go to Remington Park and ride for uh, trainer Shea Stewart and owner Danny Keene, who um, Danny Keene topped the standings as, as an owner at Houston and Lone Star. And Shea Stewart's been in the top three trainers in, in both places, and he's got 40 horses going to Remington. And it's a it's an opportunity that you know I really couldn't turn down. And you know Deshaun and I discussed it for about a week and. It's just our best option. They run until December 12th, which is perfect timing for us when we take the holidays off and go to Houston. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, one of the uh, top jockeys in North America. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be looking for him. I know that uh, uh, has Deshaun ever faced any problems, not because of his race, but because of his height? <laughs> you, you know, surprisingly, um, we have in some places. I always get that phone call. You know, I got the horse going in, but she's really tiny, and Deshaun's too tall. And then, like, I I have to be politically correct, I guess, and say, if you watch the races from Mountaineer, you can see how low Deshaun gets on a horse compared to somebody that's six inches shorter than he is. And then they'll say, "Oh yeah, right." Well, some of our best horses have been, you know, less than fifteen hands, and you know, fifteen hands is pretty small. Right, and, and is he uh, listed officially at five foot ten? He's five foot ten, yeah. It, it's unbelievable, but I will say for our audience listening, and they'll get ch- plenty of chances to watch him if they haven't already. That the way he folds himself up around and 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 gets down on a, on a horse. Um, I mean, there's no wind drag, there's no nothing, and he just seems to be in perfect rhythm with him at all times. Yeah, he does, and I, I mean we've. We've been very fortunate. We've been together 15 years now, which is hard to believe it's been that long. But, um, you know, we've been very fortunate to have very good clients no matter where we went. Um, Obviously, most of it here at Mountaineer. But, like, this year has really been, uh, it's been like a dream year for us. We were actually at Belmont when American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown. We won a race the day before on a uh, maiden for Dane Kabiski, who's actually, we're going to Monarch Sunday to ride in the the Tyro, um, shoot preps. And we happen to be at Belmont that weekend. And then, like, when we go to Remington, we're going to ride Friday, Saturday, the first two nights. The third day, we go to, we go to Colorado to ride two stakes for the guys that, for Shea Stewart and Danny Kane. And then the following Sunday, we go to Canterbury. So we got a lot of traveling to do this month. <laughs> Obviously, nobody's holding his height against him. Well, uh, we've no. got about four minutes till our first break. So I'm asking you to put on uh, your handicapper's hat and take off your okay. agent's hat. Let's go. Let's go to Saratoga, 
It's been known the graveyard of favorites over the years. Horses like Man of War and Secretariat have been beaten there. There's a champion that's going to go to post in the test stakes. Seventh furlong affair, Take Charge Brandy coming back off only one race this year, off a layoff. Certainly the morning workouts look like she's on her toes again, but it looks like she's going to have some company up front, and this could possibly be a soft spot to maybe find a price horse. I know there's a couple I like in here. Is there anybody you find that could beat Take Charge Brandy? I actually, my two, top two, the two horses I like the best are 6-1 to one and 8-1 to one morning line. I really like Wonder Gal. Um. She's—I mean, she she's always always seems to find that one or two horses she can't be, but she's got that running style that's going to suit this race because I believe there's going to be enough uh, speed up front that her style is going to be good enough to get there. Well, the 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 one I like, and it might be your other eight to one shot, is a horse by the name of Irish Jasper. If you notice, this horse is a multiple graded stakes winner, and as I mentioned, there's going to be guaranteed speed in here. And this horse can stake and uh, can stalk and is coming off three consecutive wins, two of those in graded stakes races. Was that your other eight-to-one shot, or you got another one in here for us that I can really start boxing up into tries? Great, great minds think alike. I really like that horse, um, especially with Javier Castellano arm. I mean, nobody's hotter than he is in the country right now, especially in stake races. And uh, he's a very smart rider, and he, he's going to see the speed in front of him and be able to sit right behind him, just, just like Wonder Gal. I, I think it's going to be the horse that gets the better trip is going to get there. Well, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, let's face it, take charge Brandy, an amazing resume. Uh, she blossomed late in the season. D. Wayne Lucas wanted a championship, and he got it uh, by running her, you know, in races that other people didn't expect her to show up in, like uh, the Delta Princess and uh, the Starlet at Los Alamitos. Nonetheless, uh, she's coming into the race off four consecutive victories. It'll be very interesting to see if she can get the job done. Well, uh, let's stay uh, at the spa real quick here for a win and you're in race. Uh, again, these races are going to be nationally telecast this week, and it is the 88th running of the Whitney. They're going a mile and an eighth. And with that said, I always like to go look and see, okay, who's been successful at this distance? Well, uh, a horse who just missed at the distance last time that I got to watch run in person was Leah. I was very impressed with Leah's uh, Stephen Foster handicap, especially since the horse was coming off a third-place finish in the Dubai World Cup behind Prince Bishop and a little old horse by the name of California Chrome. As you know, a lot of those horses don't make the trip back from overseas and uh, are never really the same again. But I'm telling you, Billy, that was a huge race at Churchill Downs and a Stephen Foster. But this is a field laden with talent and horses that American Pharaoh most likely will meet if he makes it to the Breeders' Cup Classic. I agree, and I, and I actually saw you there, Stephen Foster, night because uh, that was the day that they had American Pharaoh paraded in the in the paddock, and that's we I actually ran into you there. Um, I agree. I, I, Leo, I thought ran a huge race that night. Um, I know that Noble Bird beat her lap, beat him by nose, um, and I don't really go for the weight thing, but Noble Bird's picking up eight pounds this time, and he only wow. beat, he only beat Leah by by a neck, so. I just I, I I agree with you with, with Leah and another horse I really liked in there was Tunnelist. I mean he's as solid as they get. I mean he he just got beat 
in a suburban last time, going a mile and a quarter, and I backs up to a mile and an eighth. And I, I think he's going to be very tough. I, I I totally agree with you. And the other horse we certainly can't leave out of the conversation is Shug McGahee's honor code. Uh, when you win a race as prestigious uh, as the Metropolitan Handicap in the fashion that he did, this son of AP Indy came from 10th after a half mile and got up, shouldn't say got up, ran away from him in the stretch by three lengths. Uh, now, that was going a mile, but... Honor Code has only tried a mile and an eighth one time. That was in the Remsen last year, and it won at a mile and an eighth. I think that uh, the horses in this conversation uh, is one that you cannot leave out if you're betting Trifactus. Absolutely. That's the same three horses. That was my other horse that I had that I liked in there, as a matter of fact. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I don't know about the Great Minds Park, but I know we think alike, Billy, which is a very, very good thing. So let's hope we can... Get some of these horses home for our, our handicappers and listeners here on Winning Ponies. Well, we're going to pay some bills here. and we come back, we're going to go as far away as we can. We're going out where the surf meets the turf in Del Mar. We're handicapping here with Billy Johnson, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us this week, it's jockey agent Billy Johnson, who's uh, sharing stories of his uh, times with uh, one of the leading riders in the country, Deshaun Parker. Uh, Billy, we were talking off air, you know, uh, we already mentioned the reasons for uh, your move out to Remington and Lone Star. I I know that Deshaun has always been a, a big family guy. How tough is it going to be him for the separation? Because that's the reason, you know, why you guys rode where you rode for all those years. He's able to ride and still be with his family. How tough is it going to be moving out there and probably not seeing his kids as much as he's used to? It's going to be very tough. I mean, that's that was probably the toughest part about this decision. We we went back and forth for a couple of weeks. I mean, nothing against you know the Chase Stewart or Danny King because they're awesome people and you know they really you know give us an opportunity, but you know. 
like we're talking off air, we're we're talking about being away from home for six and you know six and a half of the next seven months, and he's got a kid. He's got his his boy D is going to back to college next week. He's going to miss him going back to college for a sophomore year, and then he's got a, a younger son. He's going to be thirteen. He's you know he didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with him this summer because obviously we were, we were traveling racetrack to racetrack. So I mean, it's really tough. I mean to be away from your family like that is it, it's it's. It's a bad, I mean, not a bad deal, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a business decision we have to make, but on a personal note, it's, it's really tough for them. Well, I, I, I wish him uh, nothing but the best, and I'm sure on any, when he gets a couple of days off, he'll be on a plane getting back there to, to see them as, as often as he can, and uh, quite frankly, it's got to be tough on you, because um, you're stepping into new territory. I, it's great that you're stepping into the fact that you got one of the top trainers, but what's it like for you going into a whole new environment and having to introduce yourself to people and, shall I say, starting all over again? It's going to be, it's going to be tough for me, too. Cause I, I mean, as an agent, you're supposed to be able to talk, but I don't really like, talk to people that much. Um, you know, I've been so set in my ways here in West Virginia, and the whole Texas thing was new to me, and you know, I kind of sit in there because the agents were, you know, really friendly and, you know, kind of like, was like accepting me, which is unusual for an outsider to go into a new place. Well, now I'm going to Remington and a lot, I'm, I'm fortunate that some of the trainers from Houston are going to be there. So at least I know some people. And I also got another rider named Ken Tohill. You probably, probably heard of him too. He's one of the lead riders of Prairie Meadows every year and always in the top 10 at Remington. So I got another rider that knows a lot of people there. It's going to help me get to know them. So I'm, I'm really going over the strong team and, you know, I'm confident obviously that to have two good riders, it's going to be a tough meet. The riding colony is a lot tougher than we're used to, but I'm, it's not like I'm taking two empty saddles with me. <laughs> no, Billy, you are not. All right. Well, let's do a little handicapping out at Del Mar. Right. These are, I'll start with the best pal. These are horses that probably have a great future ahead of them. Two-year-old boys going to the post. I didn't see any fillies that slipped into the field. And uh, certainly uh, names that uh, people are familiar with, with promising horses. Uh, you've got uh, Doug O'Neill has not one but two horses in here. He has found money who uh, just came out of a win in the Santa Anita Juvenile, $125,000 race. And he also has the uh, first-time starter, Nyquist. I shouldn't say first-time starter. He's only made one start, but came out of that race. Well, it was a five-for-a-long race with a solid 84-buyer figure. So you've got Doug O'Neill in there. Right now is batting 24%. Then you've got Annie's Candy, who I think is a real dangerous horse in here, who ran second to Nyquist and then came back and broke her maiden in very uh, impressive fashion. And to not get ahead of myself, but a horse that looks an awful lot like Texas Red, horse's name is Swipe, uh, the combination of trainer Keith DeSormo and jockey Kent DeSormo. This horse has gotten faster every race. Again, the Best pal is six and a half furlongs, so most of these horses are going to be stretching out for the first time, but it's pretty much a, a field with a lot of upside to it. I agree. Um, I, I, like I, we talked about, I, I was actually at Belmont um, the day that Swipe and P- Payne's Prairie ran. Uh, we rode a horse in there that ended up running fourth in the race um, for Dane Kabisky, and uh, both of them looked very good on a the racetrack. They were impressive. Um, I'm favoring Payne's Prairie over Swipe, though. I just, I was really impressed. He he ran so game. I mean, he was hooked the whole way, 
and just got beat at the wire by cocked and loaded. And then and obviously come back and run a huge race and broke his maiden at Belmont. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, and in that race, didn't come away from the gate very well, had an awkward break. And, uh, and it's interesting that uh, several horses you know, are willing to make the trip from Belmont to Del Mar. I mean, that's not right around the corner. So these guys got to figure, they got a legitimate contender. It's a grade two, 200,000 on the line. And again, coming out of the, the Tremont, it's Swipe and Payne's Prairie, who uh, beat Swipe just uh, by, uh, what, three lengths in there. So, uh, but the thing is, that, you know, then Swipe, just like Payne's Prairie, Came back and won, next time out, these two horses really kind of shadow each other. Yeah, they do. It, it, it's funny, like you said, they don't, you know, they don't really travel cross country that often. But here's two horses that have already run against each other in one of their three starts, and now they're going <laughs> to run against each other on the opposite coast. Yeah, what are what are the chances of that? Well, my producer's telling me I, we got about four more minutes to to break down one of the toughest races that we're going to see on Saturday. It's it's out at at. Delmar, and it's the John C. Maybe a grade two mile and eighth out of the turf shoot, uh, carrying a quarter million dollar purse. Looks like we got a field of nine going to post. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail with the time we've got, but the, the, the horses that I think float to the top for me are Emotional Kitten, that'll be. Ridden by Gary Stevens, who's a very well-traveled mare, trained by Wes Ward, who I respect the most. Uh, then you've got Fanticola, who's got really great tactical speed, coming out of three graded stakes races, won the grade two Royal Heroine last time out. Uh, you've got the closer, Stormy Lucy, who's only had one start since September, and that was an impressive third place in the Royal Heroine. And then you've got the Irish-bred Queen of the Sand, another one coming out of the Royal Heroine, who just missed by a neck and who absolutely loves Delmar. Three starts, two wins, and a second. So those are the four that float to the top to me. Who uh, tickles your fancy? I think Fanticola is going to get an easy lead. I don't see anything that really is going to have any kind of speech. It's going to dictate the pace, and they're going to have a tough time beating her. But the one, the two that I thought had a shot was Stormy Lucy, um, and nothing against the, the rider room last time, but I think Bayerano is one of the best riders in the country. And getting him back on her is a big, is a plus for me. And uh, the, the other horse I like is Electrum. Um, John Sadler, Victor Espinosa. I mean, who, who's having a better year than the best Victor Espinosa right now? Uh, absolutely. You know, I, again, I thought I was going too long even even mentioning four horses. But, yeah, Electrum, the Irish bred, uh, in the hands of John Sadler, who does very well with horses that come in from either South America or, or Europe. He does, a, he does a great job with them. And I did think that that was interesting that you as an agent noticed that Rafael Bayerano rode Queen of Sand to that game effort in the Royal Heroine, but Rafael who has had success in graded stakes races with Stormy Lucy, elected to go back to her. She's one of the leading money-winning horses in this race with over 551000 If you go back you know, uh, to last year, won the grade two Santa Ana aboard Stormy Lucy and the grade three Santa Barbara. Again, the Royal Heroine, first race back since September. What was it was a huge effort. So 
I, and I watch you jockey agents. You guys are a salty bunch, and you got to guess if you're the agent for Rafael Bayarano, you're one of the top handicappers in the country. So I, I think that move tells us a little bit about uh, Stormy Lucy's chance in the John Mabee at Del Mar. Again, Fanticola, tactical speed, that's uh, Billy Johnson's pick. And, Billy, I can't uh, thank you more, and I really uh, pass along uh, my best to Deshaun. You know, I wish you guys nothing but the best, and I don't normally watch Remington, but I'm going to start tuning in and root you guys on. I just hope I don't put too much weight on the back of your horses. Well, I I don't think you will, John. You've picked a lot of winners over the years, and you've been one of our biggest supporters for Deshaun and myself both, and, you know, we appreciate it, you know. We had a lot of fans everywhere. I mean, I, I, like the day when we won the Governor's Cup, I had texts and calls from all over the country, which was like uh, just so amazing. And uh, another just a little note, side note was the, the, the applause for him winning the Governor's was louder than the noise for our West Virginia Derby, if that says anything. How about that? I love to hear it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Billy Johnson helping us out with the handicapping. Tom Ham giving us insight to TaylorMade Farm and their success at the sales. As I look out the press box window over the manicured turf course, over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want to remind you all, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.